Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It is still January. I feel like January feels like a long month. Thanks for joining us for Take Two. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News, Mara Carabello with the Exoro Group, and Greg Hughes, who is just a citizen, also a lobbyist and a former Speaker of the House. Yeah, Citizen Hughes. Here for you. Thanks Ready for being enlighten, here. Thanks for being here. Enlighten you and drop the truth bombs that Mara hates. I would leave yeah. it just a citizen, but I feel like we should tell people that you have a couple reasons to yeah. have some knowledge in their realm and political sphere. <laughs> so. That you're in the back rooms. Yeah. That's right. What? Did I... What, what I'm doing, like when the session's yeah. on, you mean? Yeah, because yeah. we have new people listening, well, yeah. and they're like, so, Greg Hughes, who is like he? Hughs. And they're just like, oh, so, he's just a citizen? Yeah, okay. Man. No, I, well, I was a former Citizens public servant, but... Um, by Braille, like you know, you work on a lot of hard issues when you're when you're uh, in the le- legislature. And uh, sheriffs called and said, "Would you help us on bills on public safety?" And so I've been working with our sheriffs and the Utah Sheriff Association for a while. Um, Washington County, Kane County, uh, Washington County's uh, Tourism Department, Greater Zion. It's been fun working on some national park issues. It's been it's been awesome. good. Uh, things that I actually worked on as a public servant. So places where I'm familiar with the the issues. So, all right, Mara, do you have any dogs in the fight um, at the legislature right now? Or are you busy with other things that you're like, oh. we do have, we um, don't do the direct lobbying. We would contract with contract. She's lobbyists. too good for it. Like she, a contract I'm killer. I like to think I'm a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's we, such a pejorative, this lobbyist. Our word. big issues tend to be around water and uh, transportation infrastructure and energy um, as it relates to legislative work. Um, that's not, and then we do a lot of association work and we do, um, some, you know, we're doing the zap campaign. All you Salt Lake County people will be reaching out to you to renew zap. Zoo arts and parks. Zoo arts and parks. Yeah. So the session, um, my energy so far has been on water issues. Awesome. Well, uh, the legislative session is underway, and we... Do- oh, tell me what you're going to tell me, Greg. Greg's got this little deep smile breath on his face. There. I was going to say... You took a deep breath. Thankfully, um, you can't, liberals can't mess up water. We got it We got it down. You can help, but you can't hurt, so I love you, that. You're so full of it. <laughs> That's why I didn't say it. That's so why I laughed at myself. I told it. myself a joke. I'm I was hilarious. laughing to myself, and you guys yeah. drew it out of me. I was just thinking it. I, I would like you at this it. point to segue into how you've benefited from my wisdom on infrastructure. <laughs> we have a very strong water infrastructure <laughs> uh, existing and plan, which I appreciate, in a desert state. Excellent. Yes. Well, um, I'm glad we're all back together again. It feels like a long time. We got off our schedule. We did a Monday, so we skipped last yeah. Friday. So if you were waiting for our Friday episode... Last week, we apologize, but we're back and we're ready to talk. And there is no shortage of issues to talk about locally and nationally. I feel like we might need three hours. So buckle up. Let's go, Greg. No being long-winded. Okay. Just me? Kidding. Is she? When, I, when Mara's Please talking, I just go. I just, I mean, Please again, don't point at me. That's what it is. That's how it is. Okay, so I'll let you start on this, Greg. Did you watch the state of the state with Governor Cox I did not. Cox I'll just come night? clean right now. I did not. And oh. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. I think it's, um, I, when I was a lawmaker, it's kind of, you have to be there. You have to be in the chamber. And so uh, I, I always wanted to go home. And I, but by 
I was duty bound. I needed to be there for that speech. And one of the nice things about not being a member is I don't have to. And so I'm, I, I like not. <laughs> if you're at home, you can always listen to it streaming on KUTV.com, YouTube, or Facebook, wherever. So I'm sure I, I knew options. I was, I knew I would hear, I knew there'd be a ripple effect. I, I, know. I knew that I I'm would like hear. I'm like your mom. Yeah. Mara, did you watch? I watched most of it and then I recapped it um, with the post analysis from, from the press, from the press. Uh, our governor is a terrific public speaker. Yes, he's um, a good, great orator. It is orator. one of his superpowers. And he gave a heck of a campaign year speech. I thought he did a really good job um, being sort of his usual relatable every day. I do think he stole Austin's phrase, but the, that's okay. The let's keep stay Austin weird. weird. Yeah. Well, as soon as he said that, I'm like, I thought oh. it was, you know what? I thought it was because uh, I heard this let's stay weird quote. I thought it was from uh, is it back of the barn. What's the what's the cartoon where he's like, okay, stay weird. It's a cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, there's a funny line yeah. in one of these there cartoons. Others, but Austin Austin's been pushing that, yeah. it for a long time. So he related, he threw out some red meat, and I thought he pretty adroitly um, held a conservative position without going into any details on um, sort of the sticky stuff he's been in the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's really been pushing some more of the controversial DEI stuff, and he stayed away from that. It was a really well-done speech, but it was definitely a political speech and not a policy speech. Number one issue he outlined was affordable housing, and uh, he what he does is he does a, he's a great communicator, as is his team. I mean, you read the coverage. It was really consistent, which means he did a good job getting out the points that he wanted to get out. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, I think he's always fun to listen to. He keeps it succinct. Uh, but uh, just because it's all happy doesn't mean that everyone agrees. Um, we had the Democratic response, but the yeah. response that I care about right now is Brian King because that's who he's running against right. in this upcoming election. And this was his response. He says, my response to Governor Cox's Utah is weird address. My opponent and I agree that Utah is weird, but we disagree on why that is. Well, he playfully mentions the Bear Lake monster, fry sauce, and our oddly shaped state. I find it weird that he delivered a speech championing compassion, love, and disagreeing better within a legislative chamber that is actively churning out extreme divisive, and unnecessary legislation. It's perplexing, he says, especially considering his recent statement that he aims to veto nothing. This lack of opposition follows his track record of complicity with extremism, all while masking it in a loving but dismissive language. It's easy to disagree, but when you don't disagree at all, and then he keeps yeah. going on. I'm really surprised I was able to read that because I'm going blind. That was off Twitter. <laughs> so obviously uh, he looked beyond... Um, I guess the cheerleader speech and said, you know, maybe the bills were coming out of the legislature and what you talk about isn't always agreeable. Greg, you're nodding your head. Yeah, no, that's the that's the former minority leader, Brian King, that I worked with. I mean, when I became speaker, he we had a meeting and he let me know that uh, he felt that it was really important to show a, a contrast on uh, positions and that it wouldn't be personal, but there would be a strong uh, retort. And I think and, and it was I, I appreciated the candor and we worked really well together. But that's on brand for Representative King. I mean, he's he sees a lot of those issues the way he's expressing it. He doesn't think that there's that's good policy or that they're trying to solve problems. He thinks there's something divisive or confrontational or controversial about it. And so he's sharing that. I it, it's the guy. I, I'm shaking my head because that's the that's Representative King. And I that's what I love about elections. Make your best case. Let's see where we go. 
The one thing I appreciate about him being so strong about it, and when Greg was speaker, he respected it, but one of the frustrations, I've mentioned this before, but one of the frustrations about being in a super minority is that sometimes your opinions are not seen as valid because not very many people agree with you. And yeah. sometimes people equate majority with right and instead of just, I know. <laughs> but like when you're in an environment where you're the minority, we do speak to the language of right and wrong versus your opinion and my opinion. And so I think it is really critical that Brian points out, albeit maybe a, a minority, particularly of the 75 on the House floor, who is slightly out of line with the rest of Utah, but a little more conservative. The legislature is more conservative. They get elected by Utahns? I'm not sure what Legislature you're is more conservative okay. than the electorate. Okay. And I think it's good that Brian still just holds the line on, hey, there are legit diverging points of view. 100%. I but, actually, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I, I love it. And to, look... I, I don't want two parties inside of one party. I, we right. don't need a uniparty anywhere in Washington, D.C. or in, in Utah. Every, if everyone thinks that they need to be a Republican because practically speaking, that's how you get elected, then you have three parties in the state. You have a Democrat party, you have, and then you have Democrats and Republicans in one party, which is a mess. It's, it's just intellectually dishonest, in my opinion. Let's just have the battle of ideas. And Brian King's never been afraid of that. I love that he leans in and he's ready to say it. And he doesn't say it in a, a bombastic way or a, a rude way. He just will... Lay it out. So let the debates and the campaigns begin. All right, 2024 all the way. We're going to talk about um, some national politics in just a minute, but the legislative session is underway. And there's some interesting bills I want to talk about. Um, Salt Lake City police possibly losing uh, patrol at the airport, the trans bathroom bill that's already made some progress, uh, resolutions um, on maybe fixing illegal immigration in the state instead of federally, and the possibility of maybe talking the death penalty during this session. Last session, we kind of knew what we were going to accomplish. It was all laid out, kind of a done deal. This time, I think we kind of have to wait and see what the priorities are. Um, I want to start with the trans bathroom bill just because it has, um, this is Berkland's bill, has actually made it a little bit through the process already. It passed the House. Um, we'll head to the Senate next. And this was the one, I think, that originally was brought up in Salt Lake County and they kind of pushed it off to the legislature where there were a couple people concerned about Salt Lake County rec center bathrooms and um, people using the opposite bathroom of what their birth certificate was. I don't think Salt Lake County wanted to figure it out. They wanted the state to do it. Mara, um, is this the right way to do it in a legislative session or how do we solve this problem? I mean, from my point of view, there's clearly a flaw and I'll get to the flaw, but I want to get to the part that I think Brooklyn did right. I think she is listening um, and I think it should be considered. These are really tough issues. I have a hard time listening to them. I think Greg and I have a hard time talking about them. I mean, these are passionate, passionate issues, yeah. but I don't want to leave out the part where I don't think they're bad people who are offering these. I don't think that this is a bad person yeah. who's full of hate. Having said that, I think there are some deep flaws. One of the things I don't like that she did is she combined this with a beautiful bill about Title IX and supporting women's programming. And that stuff is just a knockout. Then she goes on to solve another problem. So she so she blends the two issues, which is her prerogative. I'm not saying it's an inappropriate. I wish she wouldn't have. But it really is important when you read her bill. And, and what's important to know is there are a couple of trans bathroom bills. So if you're tracking, this isn't Lyman's bill. It's Brooklyn's. And I don't know if, I don't know where Lyman's bill is going. But um, 
as you said, it passed out pretty much on a party line vote. But the stuff she has about Title IX is really important. And she talks about equity and she talks about something. Anyone who's listening who has had a young girl playing athletics, you know that you get the bad times and the bad fields always in consistency. So she goes on. Then she does this part where I think what she's solving for, and this is according to her on the House floor. So I don't think I'm misrepresenting. She brings up one example that says, hey, I heard this horrible story from a person in my district who had this young eight-year-old girl and she goes out of the restroom and she sees this adult man sitting there and it scared the heck out of her. She goes on to tell stories of women who have been assaulted sexually and they have this fear of being in this place. And she goes on to tell these compelling stories about when women were frightened by being in particularly in bathroom and, and locker room settings. So one, let's stipulate that nobody wants that. But you're fighting the wrong battle because I say to you, one, then she starts to equate some of the definition to trans people. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We were talking about sexual predators. We're talking about bad people. And bad people and trans people aren't the same thing. So why did you need to section this specifically for trans people when what you wanted to get at were men who were committing assaults? Here's the other thing. We walk into the airport, we see the sign that says you can't bring bombs onto the airplane. The only person not listening to that are the terrorists, right? They're not like, ah, dang it, I was so close, but I didn't realize there'd be a sign there. So if there's a predator, he's not going to be like, dang it, the legislature passed a law where I can't go that's, into that bathroom. That's my argument for why saying you can't bring a gun in here doesn't work. So, so. so but I'm just saying, so this is, then that makes me doubtful whether the real issue was female safety, because if it's female safety, let's bolster the rules restrictions that are already in place about lewdness and, a, and about assault and rape. We are in a horrible place in Utah when it comes to sexual violence, domestic violence, rape, and a sexual assault. So let's have a serious conversation about that. I, f I, I get a little suspect when you tell me the problem you're trying to solve is that a young woman saw an adult man and the outcome is you suggesting well, a definitional agenda yeah. to, to, to gender. And I'm like, it's not going to stop the predator. And all you're doing is outlining. Now, I want to say again, she went to great lengths to also attempt to consider a trans individual in this. So I credit to her for listening. I still think there is a bias and a meanness in here that is not necessary to enact the Title IX changes she so, wants. So I'll tell you why there's a, there's a conflating or a, a, a discussion of those that would uh, assault a woman uh, or, or a woman would feel threatened and the issue about whether you should enter a, a bathroom by the gender on your uh, birth certificate. Um, it's the vulnerability that's created by having lo that loose definition. And from a female, it was, I, it was said to me, and I haven't seen this with my own eyes, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me. Where bathrooms are said to be more uh, men's room, women's room, but women's room also by trans or whatever, this woman told me she never sees that, that message for the men's room. It's always going to be, it's always the ladies' room where this, where this accommodation is made. And that the bathroom is a place where, you know, if you're on a bad date or you, you, something's going on, the bathroom is, I mean, that's, anyway, there's just this vulnerability that's felt if there isn't, if there's a, a broader definition of who can go inside that bathroom in public places. And that's, and I think that's what, why they're putting that together. Uh, for me, I, I just think, I, I just, I don't understand why 
if we have a problem, I, before this ever got politicized, I was on a, on a charter school board and we had a student who was grappling with these issues. All this student and their parents wanted was to have a quiet, inconspicuous place to use a restroom and not be made a spectacle or not to become the, 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 the topic of conversation. It was immensely private. I just, and, and there, there wasn't one person who went to a political place. There wasn't one person that didn't want to accommodate and make sure that this student had a place to discreetly go to the bathroom and not, you know, have anything else going on. I contrast that, and this was years ago, but I contrast our decision-making and, and how we went about that and the way transgender and bathrooms and access to bathrooms are done now, and it is soaked in politics. It is banner, neon lights around it. It is, it's it just, if you want to solve the problem of letting people use the restroom and be comfortable doing it, I think there's other ways to do it than putting on the sign publicly it can be a woman or anyone that thinks they're a woman that can go into that room. I do. I, I, I think so I it's think a good that's bill. The bill sponsor is attempting to, to take that yeah. off. I just wish if she wanted to address the safety and trans issue, she did it. And if she wanted to address that girls get the field at a prime time, I, I would have liked to have seen those. Not so completed. if that bill would have said, let's make sure there's, or does it say that there's unisex bathrooms where someone can go into a bathroom without regard to, to gender? Is there, I think most it, gyms it, have though, cause they have like the family bathroom. But does her bill, yeah, does her bill touch it, on that? Because that it, would hit your point that it, you're yeah, not demonizing she, anyone. You're just she saying. she did try and say I'm creating space. The problem with that too is there's a fiscal note on that, right? Like, People have to adapt. Yeah. I do think new design is saying individual stalls, unisex. It's more like go in, lock the door, whoever you are, yeah. just go in and lock I, the door. I think that's the I most think locker rooms apolitical become way to a little do it. different. Yeah, that's harder. Now, again, I am going to give her credit that I did not give her three months. This is me changing. I did not give her credit for the work I think she has done. I still think from my seat at the table, it is still attacking a vulnerable community in a way that didn't need to. But I do not want to indict her intent, and and I love the Title IX stuff. Okay. It's a tough issue. I think it's – and I think a lot of it goes to whether they – accomplish anything or not in just about any aspect of our lives. It's about being thoughtful because I'm guessing that if you're trans that you probably don't feel completely yeah, comfortable safe. in your skin and in a safe place. And I think that people who have concerns, whether they're there with their children or a woman alone or whatever, that maybe they feel uncomfortable too. And so there's uncomfortableness on both sides. And I guess figuring out okay. how to make it a safe place for people because... Can I, can yeah. I ask a question? Is, do Are there women that want to go, that, that, that identify as men and want to use the men's room? Is that is so that is that a thing? They discussed the opposite. Yeah. And interestingly enough, when they discussed the opposite, they left the trans conversation and they moved one of the the republican legislators that spoke in favor of this mentioned that she has a boy in high school and apparently they have a problem with young women going into the boys room okay but i don't so they left the trans part of that discussion out and just talked about Boys feeling unsafe when girls come in. No, I, I'm going to just I, leave that, part, that on Maybe face. I'm a Nanzo, but I don't even think that's an I'm issue. I'm sure it goes. I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> no, I was like, I okay, that's not. And, and, and I don't think any of the guys are worried. I have to say, I, I have they, never had, I mean, women's stalls, I don't know who's too down for me, and I don't know true. what they're doing, yeah. and I don't. Now, I'm not trying to dismiss the stories about women Feeling unsafe, but We've I will say. We've all been say, in those gym dressing rooms, though, where some people, men, I've women, spent a ton they of time just want to be naked. I have it's spent like, a ton, why? and they're sketchy and they're yeah. horrible. And I mean, by and large, men are just gross people. I, hey, I, agree. I, don't, right? I don't disagree with you there. I'm guessing, I though, think if we there's are. a girl who's <laughs> transitioning to male and were to use the sure. men's dressing room, though, men are not probably afraid of 
Yeah. Just, I mean, I they're sh- slight of form. I mean, there's I mean, a reason yeah. why women sometimes yeah. are afraid of the opposite sex because physically, if you are alone, uh, that's what they I can think. Overpower you. This I, bill, I will I say, from what I understand, has accommodations if you have transitioned. So yeah. that's nice to that it she is. recognizes birth certificate and or sur- whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. She, yep. wait, if yep. you're if you are a transitioned and you've got, um, the but you know, this is a tough issue, and down. I think she's getting part wrong. But mostly, I appreciate that there was there is effort and. And I felt like this is a person who has grappled with it. You know, I, I, last thing I'll say, maybe this, we've talked about this too long, but I, I, I've heard criticism that some of this stuff comes up too early, that it should be I'm know, talked about longer. I, I, it, when issues come up, they, they've lingered and you get them through at the very end, uh, there's a criticism that things were rushed through. I, I think there's probably more scrutiny to an individual bill early in a session because there aren't as many and it's it's new and everybody, new broom sweep clean. They're looking at those bills. And I think even the debate of a bill, if you were to look at the time versus when you get towards the end of the session where they're trying to get bills through, I think there's a more deliberative debate earlier in the session than later in the session. So I, I like getting some of these issues well, addressed early so that when you get to some of the blocking and tackling of school budgets, tra- transportation infrastructure, water infrastructure, you're not getting that uh, interrupted by some In of these emotional In this instant, Greg, issues. I would be someone on the other side of the aisle with you. So my yeah. criticism would be uh, these, these in DEI, in my, from my pure seat – these are issues looking for a problem, right? They, I don't think these exist. And, I don't, and so I think I begrudge that in the 45 days, in the 10 minutes we have to discuss issues, bringing up any sort of so what I see it's as It's not that it's early or late. It's, it's just that it's, it's there. That, it's that you're not, these are, are largely in many ways, I'm not speaking specifically to her bill, but a lot of these red meat Culture battles so, are not so. Worthy if it was, if debate. there were a t- if there were a lot, lot more people doing it, then you could say we don't want to have the bathroom that way. I mean, would it would it now be more legitimate if you I, had a bunch of people our, that it impacted? Our big government Republicans have had a habit over the last. We're getting more bills than we ever have from our big government Republicans, and we the fact that you don't have to show evidence that this is needed drives me up a wall. Every, the amount of time, and don't disagree with me on this, Mr. Hughes, the amount of times <laughs> yes, the ma'am. sponsor has started out with, like, my cousin's uncle's brother, and I'm like, so one dude told you I, yeah, he okay, had a I'll problem give you that, but and don't, we're but, legislating? But if you're That's saying ridiculous. to me, if we had 10,000 people with this problem, we would then definitely make sure they can't use so the when, men's room. When should the government intervene? When I, should that, government intervene? Would it be intervene? less of a problem then if you had a zillion people Mr. that needed Conservative, it? Conservative, when should government intervene? I think this I is, think the size of the problem does matter to no, how I, instructive well, the statute should be. I think getting yes. ahead of a problem, I think, is wise. If oh you're my gosh, seeing if this you're getting ahead this is, of problems, then we would is, legislate this is everything. This not a Utah issue. Okay, do you know what we need to legislate okay. is another bill. Okay, the Ten Commandments. Okay. This is another red meat. Oh, I love this one. I love this one. I know I'm not supposed to have opinion, but I'm like, this is so dumb. We have so many problems in our world. We're really going to sit down and legislate that we have to hang the Ten Something Commandments that up. Texas said no to, Greg? Yeah, no, What's I think we're number Utah. seven. And this is a bill that... That's um, why I need it posted in the school, so I'll remember. <laughs> Thank you for making my point. Is, oh, I need to get um, that. Was ten. I know that you're not supposed Michael to kill. Peterson. Thou shalt so not kill. I'm sorry, um, Representative Peterson, but important. my question is, like, when we have so many other issues, Ugh. why this? And he's kind of going on a historical level of saying why we need it. History but, and tradition. Yeah, but I'm like, do we really need that? I mean, we've been I, yes. fighting about the Bible Heidi, up in yes, Davis County. Yes, we do. I'll tell you what. What if you're Muslim and that's not your laws? Oh, well, it's history and tradition. But here's why I love it. 
we're having another debate about whether there's curriculum that's you know age appropriate or if it's sexualizing children at an early age. I love my side. I you can put thou shalt not kill. Okay, thou shalt not lie. Well, you can, if that is terrible, but we can put the curriculum sexualizing kids and telling them how they can pleasure themselves at an early age, but that's okay. I really want to have that debate at the same time. So I just but I think that this discussion that it needs to be hung it's by a, a beautiful discussion to to show that we aren't all about certain, like I keep hearing oh you, you can't take this right away from them and they can't have you can't they should be able to do this. Well why can't you have thou shalt you can put a book teaching a kid about sex when they're when they're a prepubescent. You can do that but you can't say thou shalt not kill. Inside your school, covet? come on! You just want to look come at somebody on. else's trapper keeper and want it. If the Ten Commandments in a school is the worst we get, that's a that's a that's a, not a bad problem to have. It's one of the biggest traditions. and it's history. One of the biggest traditions love, in the United States. Look at the Supreme States Court. Look at the Supreme of Court. America. One of the key definers mm-hmm. of American representational democracy is separation of church and state. Correct. This is easy. This isn't hard. This is a silly bill. It's not serious minded. It's wasting our time. There is just not, People it's not going to withstand that. It's statement. not going to withstand any court trials. He prescribes that it has to be sixteen by twenty. It is supercilious. It's it's yeah. not there are worthy of the time. church and state. There's been a misrepresentation of the uh, separation of church and state. It's it's but a letter written. It's not a founding document. It's a letter. It's a letter by a Thomas document? Jefferson. Yes. It's a mosaic law. We're Christians, so it's a mosaic law. So we're not like right tethered with the Christianity part. But here's the deal. But you think here's the, Ten the deal. Commandments Listen. is a religious document. Yes. The separation of church and state was not to protect the state from the undue influence of religion. Right. It was to protect the state from corrupting religion. Yes. That's what it was. And if you look at the this isn't in a founding document, the separation of church and state. This isn't a letter authored by Thomas Jefferson. Right where he was actually answering the question, I didn't know this, but in colonial time, there were states that were trying to have state religions. But you, and he was saying, you're citing, Greg, the reason I'm saying that is... If you read the letter from Thomas Jefferson, you and the, the context of it... and the bill it, sponsor are citing tradition. Correct. And history. Correct. Yeah. So he... And there's a Supreme Court ruling of this year that's that, that pointed... Like the, the, it's, the, it's the football no. coach. that They had the Supreme Court no, saying that he was allowed equals. to have prayer. That's, that was, that not was on, per- based on history and tradition. So that was not prescribed by the state. Man, this this is a bill sponsor who wants this mandated. Okay, yeah, as a you're right. There's a difference there. Statute. But but do but do note that there but this history and tradition um, and and being able to evoke God or any or have a prayer at a football game as a coach, the Supreme Court said that was okay. And if that's I, okay, then we can kind of delve into this issue a little more. I, I think have it's something trust. worth talking about. So should I have it be trust. something where you can hang up the Ten Commandments if you want, but no. you don't have to. I have trust that we'll boot lo- this. Silly I love the Ten the Commandments. So you don't like the Ten you Commandments. Should put it on, you, should, you don't want you little kids to read on, it. You think that's you bad. Put, I don't think... Uh, Mr. You don't think it's age appropriate, I, right? I, I do not <laughs> think the state needs to make that decision. I think this is a parent and a family decision. What if it gives uh, what about, kids what about ideas the curriculum of how to for, sin and they hadn't thought of... They hadn't of the, thought of, you know, well, envy or they hadn't thought of the, what's is the, the one where you can't... decision have, on sex ed? Is that, a, is that one where you go? I don't I'll get Okay, I'll make you a deal. Let's make a trade. Ten Commandments. Let's let the parents decide. Sex Ed. Let's let the parents decide. No, I think the teachers should decide all of those. But I don't <laughs> think the state of Utah should be mandating <laughs> that religious documents okay. should be hung in a sixteen that, by twenty manner. I on think every Representative Peterson's well. history and tradition approach with the most recent Supreme I think Court he's being silly. ruling uh, is definitely food for thought, and I like the debate. Okay, silly. what about the airport? Um, we recently had a pretty big breach in security. I'm not going to say anyone's a fault or not. I mean, obviously, it was not Man a great situation. Um, 
Yeah, so somebody um, did not survive. Um, If you haven't been watching the news, a man who was having mental health problems uh, used an exit, an emergency exit door, got out onto the runway, got into an engine of a jet, and died there. So not a great situation. I don't think the bill's coming up because of that, but it does highlight the fact that somebody has to be in charge of securing the airport. So Salt Lake City Police currently uh, patrol the airport and take care of security there outside of what you normally do when you get your shoes taken off by TSA. They're not the actual police there. Um, So right now, the possibility with a bill that's coming up right now, uh, is it Grecious? Is that how you say this representative's name? I feel rude not knowing. Stephanie. So Stephanie Grecious. Grecious. So anyhow, this would be a bill that would switch it. To uh, DPS into the state uh, patrolling it. Grykus? I think so, yes. I got to figure it out. I'm really sorry. Call We're me and sorry, tell me. Yes, email me. HHKUTV2.com. Really yeah. I'm so rude. <laughs> so um, this is something that uh, I guess hadn't thought about if it's something we need to think about. You guys both deal in policing communities and friends and spouses. Is this something that we need to switch or are we doing okay with how we are in Salt Lake City Police because this is in Salt Lake City proper should be policing the airport? So there's a lot of turf. There's just turf in public policy, education, uh, anywhere. There's adults that control adult systems. And so a lot of a lot of public policy comes down, really, it just comes down to that. Um, this one, I would like to think that in, in, by way of law enforcement, we do have a, we have a problem with recruiting an emerging workforce into the profession of law enforcement. We are having a very difficult time as a state, and this is national too, retaining those that are in the profession. And we're not seeing this intergenerational where, where those that have been who've spent their careers in law enforcement are encouraging their children or grandchildren to enter into the same profession. Those things are happening in real time. What I would hope would happen when we talk about who's going to be in charge or what kind of who's is it the state and the, and public Department of Public Safety or if it's the Salt Lake uh, Police Department that uh, is handles the security or the policing of the airport. It would be what makes sense because I don't think everyone's brimming with employees and they have so many and their response time is right on time anywhere they go. There's probably some challenges out there and what ought to be done instead of the turf, what is the most effective way and the highest level of security we could provide, be it state or the or Salt Lake City. And I would imagine that the state would have more resources in a city, but I, I, I think that should be the decision tree. Now, if you want to talk about who owns the Salt Lake Airport, I would say it's a state asset, not a city asset. So I would go, that's not the, that's not the law enforcement component, but I've got an opinion about who should, who that property should be owned by. But on so law I, enforcement, I, just do what makes the most sense. I disagree with Greg on who should, on the property. But this bill, <laughs> I think this bill's great. I think this bill is great because um, while the Department of Public Safety and, you know, here Highway Patrol and SLCPD are both post-certified, everyone's qualified. I'm not, I, but... They have different specialties. And one of the things that the Department of Public Safety does well is guard and give tickets and monitor. That's what they do at the Capitol. That's what they... Public safety has a guarding element to it. It's not that neither uh, of it does. But I want municipal police departments to stay focused as they have been on community policing efforts. I want them to stay focused on working with social workers on mental health issues that you see in municipalities. There's a whole set of needs and skills, and I know they overlap, but if we were looking at specialties, if you decide to work for a local municipality police department, you'll develop slightly different expertise. The Department of Public Safety's expertise is guarding, monitoring, and ticketing, and that's 
basically yeah. the biggest thing that happens at, at the airport. And I think they're much more equipped. I also agree with Greg that if, if any municipality is jammed up, they're going to have a harder time making resource decisions. I think that the state will never have a problem resourcing the airport because they just have a broader net. And I, I and I think both public safety elements are having a hard time recruiting, but to have it backstopped, and I just think the skill set of DPS is a stronger skill set. I'll also note... Does it just shift, though? Let's say the police who are at the airport um, with Salt Lake City, would they just go work for DPS because they wanted that job at the airport? Maybe. I mean, usually it's known for, I'm about to retire and want an easier job, but... I will say also SLCPD has been in this role less than 10 years. So the preponderance. Really? Yeah. You did it before. Really? Yeah. So I, I asked this question. History. Um, <laughs> it's been, I think, about eight years, and it was a turf war, and yeah. SLCPD. So the airport authority oh, had their own, own police, police department. department. Okay. And, okay. and so SLCPD, it's not like they've had this role for generations. Interesting. It was, in fact, um, Mike Brown who did the turf war and moved SLCPD formally into it. So reversing it is less than, I think it was seven, eight years old that they've even been hmm. doing it. I didn't realize that. Prior to that, it was um, it was the port the airport authority, so moving it to DPS. If you, took the, if you took the turf war out the, and, and just went to public safety and what makes the most sense and what jurisdiction – uh, should I handle something that, you know something like that I, I think it's I think it screams that it would be the Department of Public Safety for the reasons that you've mentioned Mara I, I, I don't even think it's so if you just did it based on that criteria without regard to turf I think that I think the bills I think it's it's an easy decision all right next bill up um, this is one from Trevor Lee uh, he's proposing a resolution on federal government to fix illegal immigration or let Utah do it I see this as just sort of a we're telling you that this is a problem and fix it. Is that what this is? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a, a, a guy who wants to make a message point of you stink. Because in practice, one, I appreciate that he's calling out that the uh, Republican House of Representatives federally is not getting the job done. So I appreciate that shout out that Congress <laughs> is failing. And um, I think it is true. We all think Congress is failing. But he also... The propensity of this is to treat this like immigration and arrests are the only relationship between the United States and immigration. In order for a state to take this on, particularly an inland state that's not a border state, you're talking about visas and licensing. And so this would be a legislator who's suggesting that we spend hundreds of millions of dollars creating an entire, and I mean, we're even leaving out the part that this is illegal. So it, it would never, it, none of this is feasible. So this has to just be seen as a big old message bill. But the complexity of actually bringing in immigrants who are, who remember, have lower criminal records than the United States citizens, who have fewer arrests, who are largely women and family members, even though if you were to listen to Republicans, you would think that they're all warlords and criminal drugs. Well, 2012 called, they want their their talking points on immigration back. We we know that the the, the numbers the that we're talking about now. No. We have the we have enemies of the criminals. state. I'm not saying they're a majority. I'm saying very dangerous people are and the Utah's ones they apprehend. Prepared? No, I I think that well we're a, we're a I15 creates a a super highway or a supply chain for the cartels that control those borders and how they what they're bringing across be it people, drugs, you name it. 
Uh, but all we're left with is a resolution. We can't a- get in this, this space. Is sort of just a, a message. Well, that's all we. That's all state can do. So on the flip side, the though, um, that's all we have. We can't be in that space. I mean, there's like Texas, a message, but can Texas? Do you think so? That's going on. Um, this wasn't on our agenda today, but while we're discussing yeah. it, does Texas have the right to kick out? Um, the federal government from the border there where they're like, this is our state. We're going to take care of I, it ourselves. I, uh, honestly, I don't think they do, but I will tell you this. If, if Colorado can say a federal law, uh, does not apply on marijuana. It's a Schedule One narcotic. It, it touches OSHA. It touches all these things. But it's in you in Colorado states' rights. It no longer applies. If that can happen, I think states and their sovereignty they can get into spaces where they're seeing a public emergency or a, a public health safety risk. And I think that 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 envelope has to be pushed right now because I don't know what states are left with if they don't. I mean, so, what I would love to see is I, the the conference of governors or someone like mm-hmm. that. That's an interesting signal to send because I will say the broken immigration system is something that governors, regardless of if they're red or blue, tend to agree on. And so, yes, yes if, now if, that's if true. I, but I don't want some some random squeaky wheel in Utah because I think it decreases the impact of a state saying this is unacceptable. So I I would join hands with anyone who wanted to send a signal and actually say to the federal government, you need to do X, Y, and Z. We want to hold you accountable to, to, to punting your abilities here. I think that, and it feels like it's time for this because whether you're talking about a Democratic White House or whether you're talking about uh, Republican House of Representatives, they're failing equally on this issue. And so it's time. F- I love the idea of a s- the states locking arms mm-hmm. and saying, okay, We're pushing people, back. here's a minimum. Yeah. Here's a floor. But the reason this is unique and different from a Schedule 1 is that this is about who gets in our nation as a citizen, who has the right to be here. And that's fundamentally a federal construct. It yes. is. It's just that there's such a, you have such strict and I think unnecessarily prohibitive immigration laws that are being enforced and and changing people's lives while you're letting people come unabated and uninterrupted across the border. It is, it's, it's immoral to those that are trying to follow the law and get through this maze. I, I really think there should be a wide gate. There should be a wall, but there should be a wide gate and that we should take these laws of immigration that are too prohibitive and make it so it's sensible and that you can see this legal migration happen. But to have to have what's going on right now, I don't know where, where these border states and even the st- cities where people are being – that are coming to your – there are some schools that close so they can use the gymnasiums. I, New York it, it, there's yeah. not a tra- – this – this is not a sustainable thing that's happening to this country right now. And where does that leave states that are feeling it the most? And I, I think, think they're pushing the, that envelope. I don't think that's as partisan an, of an issue. I, think. I hope that, I, we're I agree the tipping, that we're at the tipping point because every year lately, I feel like though. I think we're going to get something accomplished with the border and then we don't we because don't. there's an election and they don't want to have their name on the record yeah. of voting yes or no. And I feel like there's enough states, not just the border states now, whether you love or hate it, that some of um, the immigrants have been shipped to other states like in New York City. I think that there's a realization that there is a problem from states that maybe didn't think there was a problem before or thought it was someone else's problem that this is the time to talk about it. I just want to lock everyone in Congress. Nobody goes home Nobody because goes home. they can figure it out. I think both sides know that it needs to get fixed. Just yeah, no one wants to do it. It is just such a successful campaign issue for both sides and it needs to stop. But that is my problem with 2024. Everything's a successful campaign issue that is on the short list. And, you know, where do we get to the point where 
or just doing the business. And we barely are. Um, right now, we barely passed the continuing resolution to get us through to March. So we're kicking the can, kicking the can, kicking the can. And I think the border security is part was of the there issue. Any border, is why was there, there, that, there was a holdup on that kicking the can because there was some immigration or border issues. Did it make it into that? Agreement. That's why the can was kicked because, because they can't they, they can't, can't come to the agreement. And you so saw Curtis aggravating. John Curtis voted against it because yeah. he said, "I think we should lock ourselves in the room and Absolutely. stay here." Malloy voted against it because she's in a hot cycle. Look, the other two said we got to do our basic. The other two, yeah. meaning Moore and Owens, basically said we got to do our jobs. They're. <sighs> Yeah, it's definitely a campaign year because Curtis, I don't think we would have seen a statement on him if he weren't running for Senate. But yeah, he came out very clearly saying, you know, let's lock ourselves in room and let's figure this out. Romney, of course, is you might imagine voted in favor, Lee against. So, again, I hope they figure something out, but I think that's just, you know, probably wasting my hope. And I got to tell you behind the curtain, when you when I'm a a conservative Republican, I have spoken to liberal Democrat uh, colleagues when I was in the legislature and I have we've talked about this issue. Just the two, you know, two two lawmakers from different perspectives on how to secure a border and how to be lawful and how to be fair, and it can be done. I am going to tell you yeah, that two people from probably you would imagine very different uh, political positions can find common ground on how to enforce that border, and it can happen. It's not as hard as right. you, as as the talking but heads on TV would let you believe. But it does require us to stop name calling and hyping on every sure. I'm not everyone's got to stop hyping everything so much and having every message that's effective right that's now is why, a fear-based that's message that's how I when you when you talk about whether they're lawful or not I think the cartels are controlling who gets to go across I don't think huddled masses are making their way across anymore I think that thing is so bad what's happening down there right now and I just want to get out Greg, of that. Even those, that characterization, what you and I agree yeah. on is this is a civil process issue. Right. And it's embarrassing that yes. the United States, it's embarrassing here, here. that Amazon can send me a package tomorrow and we can't figure out a civil process issue with the United States government. Correct. Yeah. I'm with you, you see other countries pull it off. So I feel like we, we know how to fix it. I'm sure there's people who figured out how to do it and they've talked to each side, but nobody wants to nobody sit down and put to. their big boy underwear on. So... <laughs> Uh, I think it's boots or something, not underwear. I don't think oh. we're allowed. Yeah, with the, with the bathroom rules, I don't you think we're allowed, allowed to, to talk about that anymore. Um, I want to get to the Iowa caucuses <laughs> in just a second, but before uh, we completely move on, is there anything in the legislative session that you're keeping tabs on that you want us to talk about or people to look for and watch that you're like, okay, this is an underdog bill. Okay, here's my Let's thing that I'm watching for and that I'm really worried about. And, right. and And so here's the thing. And people I like are talking about this. So... I love that it's an election year, and I love that very reliably the Republicans talk about cut, cutting taxes. It's just mm. doesn't make sense right now, and it doesn't. I am not. This is not. How did we go I from having this giant rainy day fund to, to no money? Nothing. And so right now, if you talk to every legislator, with no exceptions, they are telling departments that they want to now see versions of budgets with a ten to twenty percent cut, and these are agreed on programs that many of them it is not fat right some of it i'm sure is fat but mostly they're saying we don't have money right now we're not sure what we're going to do so they've told everyone telecasting this i'm going to say starting in november this ain't a year of plenty we need to look the other thing the other economic principle is when you cut taxes 
you wait for a minute to see when it settles because you don't know exactly what the revenue stream will be. You have to like level that out. Even though cutting taxes can be perceived as a good principle, you need to see some leveling of what the revenue is and how that outcome is. We also know that our that our economy right now is still in a slight bit of, f- of flux, which makes estimating revenue is even harder. So based on just those economic viabilities, like that, that have nothing to do with politics, I am a little confused and frustrated by leadership that's telling us that there's not enough money to fund the existing programs of which they like. I mean, there are mm. some programs that I think people will make a case to cut out. But that there are substantive programs that they like. They're telling us there may not be enough money. And at the same time, they're talking about a tax cut. And I worry that this they will regret that. Because the one thing Utah doesn't want to do is have a conversation about a tax hike. Now, those of our listeners should remember that in Utah, Republicans never say tax hikes. They say fees, services, bonds. But it's still money coming out of your pocket, no matter what the Republicans talk, how they use it. But the one thing I'm a little worried about from our leadership, who I like, is it just is not the right time to be talking aggressively so, about a tax cut. So the way, so what I understand is that these cuts they're asking for are how they expect to deliver the tax cut or the, right, exactly. the cuts. So they want you to cut from these budgets so that that is lo- making money available for the tax cut. I'm a supply sider. If you, if this legislature th- uh, wants to leave 160 million collective dollars in the pockets of uh, Utahns and businesses, I, I think that money will be put to a stronger economy. I think th- I believe in that. Some of those cuts though are actual whole jobs. Those are whole jobs of people, not just less income tax, state income tax that they would have to pay. Here's what I think is unique about the legislative body that we're in right now. When I was elected in 03, we we were just, as I was just coming in, this tech bubble had burst. And Utah was going through a recession. It was a tech recession. So 2003, there was a recoil. And as I walked in, I started to learn the budgeting process from a place of recession. And they were coming to the department heads and they were saying, you're going to have to tell us, we'll let you be flexible, but you've got to cut because we, the revenue's not arriving uh, for the budgets as we thought. And that was during the existing fiscal year, which is right. a hard thing to do. And then we saw the economy really get strong pretty quickly after that. And I remember in 2000, I think six or seven, there was a billion, back when the budget was only $10 billion, this was a billion dollar surplus. So 10% more you know, in surplus that they didn't even think was going to come. And they were spent, and and so we were looking at unaddressed needs, all these things. Then the Great Recession hits, okay? The year later, just one year later. After the mortgage problems. One year, one year after the billion-dollar surplus, we had the Great Recession, where this recoil happened again. So between 03 and 07, as a lawmaker, I walked through and lived through how you have to cut when the when the money never arrives. But strange, well, I don't know, strangely or what, but unpre the way it doesn't usually happen where the economy has these cycles, it's like biblical, right? Seven years of feast, seven years of famine. But since really climbing out of that Great Recession, which was a slow climb, so this wasn't a, it wasn't an extreme climb like after 03, but a slow, slow, slow climb, we have had quarterly growth ever since. Right. And once you are a lawmaker and you've never known a day right. of a recession and you've never known a day of that, it's... And we're a growing state. Yes. Our economic numbers, we're the, number one in muscle, every ranking. The muscle memory of yeah. of how you have to 
bridge the the gap in public education and make sure that you're still able to pay your teachers and how you're able to do those things, those muscles go into atrophy if you've never had to really claw back. Meanwhile, there is a bill saying that I don't know who it is, but they want to uh, bump teachers up to a hundred thousand a year, which right. would be amazing. But I don't know if this is the year after. So we're in my early budget, part of my happen. legislative session, in good years, we were funding more in, in Medicaid, right. uh, dental care for people. We were doing, and as soon as the things began to fall apart, first thing we'd repeal back. I, I can remember yo-yoing appropriations for yeah. some years and pulling them right back and bring them in and bring them back. And because even a supply sider like Greg understands that sometimes. If you move too much of the cost to the market, it costs more. I mean, yeah. depending on the service. I'm not talking about real free market, but no. sometimes government does keep costs down and it's insurance policies. I, I just, I, I got to tell you this. I just don't, I can't fathom that there isn't a recession or recessionary uh, factors that are going to hit households and taxpayers in the times right. that we're living in right because now. Because it happens. And, and because the state, no state prints money and you have to balance budgets, what do we do in that time? And, and, and there are healthy rainy day funds, education rainy day fund and, and general rainy day fund, and, and those are there. But I just think that um, because you haven't seen that those recessions come as quickly as they used to, that no one's really seen, has never done that, pulling back those budgets. And so, so the, the I, only reason I want to flag that is yeah. that you and I will argue in the coming weeks about individual bills we're watching yeah. and the things they're yes. doing. But I am concerned because I'm hearing this from our smart leaders and I'm worried that it just sounds that it feels too good right now to Utahns. We feel good, and 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 we've got leaders that we trust who are saying this. And I just don't think it's the right time. It's not that it's a never, but remember, we just had this happen. I don't think they have the indicators they need yet to know whether it's the right time. No, even the experts don't seem to know because we've had this crazy inflation, and then they're like, "We got to be careful so we don't head into a recession." Meanwhile, people keep spending, spending, spending. I think likely part of the spending is because everything costs more, but we're also seeing the highest debt on credit cards. Well, that's so what I was going to say. The highest point, consumer debt since they've yeah. been recording it is what we have as Americans, the highest credit card debt. Because at some point, when you're not paying your bills, then you lose your mortgage. And, I mean, there's – so, I don't know. It's an interesting time. It is. So, so that's my issue. My yeah. issue is taxes. Yeah, that's I that – I'm tracking that as well. I think I love – I loved Speaker Schultz's uh, – I, I didn't listen to President Adams, so I don't, maybe he mentioned this as well. But uh, I think that the state is coming up with an energy, a strategy for our energy, and that's the generation of energy, be it our electricity, our gas, um, clean coal, uh, but also being open to all the other uh, forms of energy that can be generated. The, the challenge we have in the state of Utah has is that if the federal government or anyone wants Utah to shut down, say, coal-fired power plants by 2035, but any new technology or any new power generation takes 20 years to actually permit, you could find yourself in that gap. I, I think that the state, I love that the state is looking at ways to make sure that they're open to new power generation, but not giving up or losing uh, the power generation that gives us a less expensive electricity or gas comparative to other states. So I, I like that. I like that. Schultz priority. also offered and put down a heavy agenda of um, conservation land yeah. and, and um, natural resources and land and water conservation. So I'm going to give a shout out to Schultz for appearing to have an environmental stewardship component that I'm excited to yeah, see. Yeah, that one didn't get to me. I wasn't really I, I, you don't I, want to it didn't make sense to you. I well, know it, it it's was, like, what if? Like, what? Okay, whatever right. on that. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
let's talk about something fun for a minute. Um, get out of the legislative weeds for a minute. But we just had the Iowa caucus. We're heading to New Hampshire. It's kind of fun to talk about. Uh, the caucus results were not surprising, I think, to most people. Trump came in um, with a solid, hefty win, 51%. DeSantis at 21%. Haley at 19%. Ramaswamy at 7%. Ramaswamy, after that, dropped out, uh, back Trump, endorsing him. The interesting thing is, is that President Trump won with the largest percentage in history in the Iowa caucuses, but at the same time, when you look at how many voters and Republicans there are, there's never great turnout to these, but it was also one of the lowest turnouts where it was less than 15% of registered Republicans. So what do we have to read out of this, Mara? So I'm going to pretend we do not know how this story ends. <laughs> I, wonder I can't what's wait happened. to hear the ending. Emphasis of it's the word so pretend. exciting. <laughs> um, New Hampshire, I want... I need, I need Nikki Haley. <laughs> I hear the desperation in your voice. She's going to. You know that is not. That's not a stayed. That's not analysis. That is just a I'm not primal. Pretending. I'm, pre- That's I'm primal not fear. I, I hear. I will only. My therapist and I will only deal with the outcome of the Republican <laughs> uh, Party nominee when we have to, and I believe that Nikki Haley giving a good bump in New Hampshire. Since it may not look so good in her home state. So you're with um, First Lady Abby Cox and the Lieutenant Governor. Amen. Backing Thank Haley. you, Deidre Henderson so, and Abby Cox. Go, Nikki Haley. I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast out here. because So the media really wanted to downplay Iowa. I remember I had, I, so I clipped these articles because I saw James Carville says, uh, Trump, I predict Trump completely underperforms in, in, in Iowa. And then you saw the weather's really bad. And all these Iowa voters, uh, their demographic is, I mean, the age limit is deceased. They're so old. And if there's bad weather they're not going to come out and I so mean, it's going to be they are just turnout. there was such an attempt to underplay and to say he's not going to do as well and he's not and then he gets the numbers he does and then it's then they pivot quickly to well it's only so many people and it, yeah. it shouldn't really count That's right. i've never if i can meet a democrat in a contested democrat primary or a democrat for president that's not an incumbent who thinks that Iowa doesn't have enough voters to care or that nothing in Iowa happens matters. I would love to meet him because most people do. The winner of Iowa is not necessarily the winner. I agree with that, but I'll tell you, Nikki, here's, here's where you got to be really afraid. That this, this, I will not live in fear, Greg. Don't, don't live in your fears. Don't live in your fears. Okay. But here's the thing. So New Hampshire, you can be a Democrat and you can go up in this primary and you can say, I'm an independent and you can vote in this, in this New Hampshire primary. If the there was ever the a state, Iowa caucuses, I think yeah. Haley got a little, if boost there was that ever probably. a state that, and you have the, you have the New Hampshire governor Sununu endorsing Nikki Haley. Right. If there was ever a state, she would win and right. do very, or show well, it will be this one. Yeah. Then if she doesn't, and the polls right now show that he's at least nine points ahead or more in a state where it's really favorable to moderates and Democrats to participate. But if he wins by a large margin in New Hampshire, the next primary isn't until like the end of February or February 24th. Do you know how many weeks you're getting into super Tuesday and momentum? And since we're covering every time he walks across the street, that narrative. (laughs) So media, if you're listening, stop covering Donald Trump. Nikki Haley does not do phenomenally so do well is we're hours, done here hours of coverage and what donald trump has tr- proven is that hours of coverage of you being a horrible human being <laughs> no, uh, doesn't matter the weaponization it's, it's of our law enforcement name id name id should I mean, desantis uh, um call it quits call if he quits. doesn't do i well. want him to because i just we need the only chance of not having donald trump is a head-to-head 
Like the more that's a three-way split and the more, and DeSantis is just, I don't know if Nikki Haley I'm really can do it, but I know DeSantis. I, I, I am too. I Because I, 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 I think he's been a great governor of Florida. I think he's done yeah, the, all the things that you that you would want to see a good, strong uh, the money. government he had governor the endorsements. do. Yeah. But, um, but you know, he, it's not taking traction. And I think, look, I think there's 74 million people out there that voted for Trump in 2020 in the, in the general election. And I don't think they went away. And I think they're still energized, well, and I, I think that they want to vote. Seventy-six and so, million people who voted for a Democrat are still there too. Well, there's eighty-one million supposedly. Like I'm we, glad you said seventy-six because that's probably yeah. true. The other I'll five million is I don't, probably all I need is fraud. fifty plus one, my friend. <laughs> fifty plus one. fifty plus one. Well, the funny thing is that I I've stopped largely listening to MSNBC, CNN, yeah. Fox. It's news porn to me. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's just they they tell you what you want, and it's gross. Before the Iowa caucus caucuses, it was like. Trump has to win by 50%, 51%. He's got to get half the vote. And when he does, it's like, well, that wasn't a mandate. And so screw him. Or yeah. when he yeah. has his acceptance speech after Iowa, a couple of the networks let him talk for about 12 seconds mm -hmm. and then cut him off. See, and you said, should be happy so with that. Cable and said that they couldn't let him yeah. be on TV because he might not be honest. And we don't want to give that to our viewers. And I'm like... It sort of is like vomit in the back of my throat. I'm like, let's just all be grownups. The whole thing right now, it's just We like, need to ugh. have somebody who's calling I balls and strikes. I, need, yeah. I feel about cable network anchors are like the color commentary guy on the NFL. Do you know I've, I yeah. just mostly need him to go away. Yeah. Because one minute... Well, that's Chris Collinsworth for me. Well, but yeah. like, right. But you know, he switches the opinion so much. Yeah. I'm like, stop talking. So I, I've actually turned off. I don't actually watch cable news anymore. I used what? to watch Fox. Yeah, I'm, I'm... Really? Yeah, I got mad at Fox, and so I don't watch it anymore. They're not... They're they got, they fired. Yeah, they fired Tucker Carlson. I've never watched them since. I'm so oh mad. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but so I don't They're watch any of it. I'm done. So I'm out. I'm like, I, I tapped out. So... But, I, but honestly, um, I, I do think that the, that the narratives are getting so absolutely indefensible. So you can't hey, – so I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying about uh, it's hard to listen to this and think. Here's here, – you can answer this for me maybe. Mm. I believe in campaigns and elections if a candidate or a party are looking at polls and their positions are not popular in an election year that you see a pivot. So when Clinton lost or when – the House of Representatives, for the first time in 40 years in 1994, shifted from Democrat control to Republican control. You saw, an astute, I thought, an astute uh, President Clinton pivot hard, say the era of big government is over. We like to call he it triangulation. But he, I he adopted welfare reform coming out of yeah. Tommy Thompson's Wisconsin yeah. work. Yeah. They balanced the budget. Yeah. They balanced it. If you, I can't even imagine we had a, that we was had the a last time Democrat we president it. that was balanced he was the budget. Rare, yeah, you saw a pivot. To a place where where it was understood the the midterm voters were at, I see a president and the thirty percent approval rating. I just see doubling down. I don't see any pivot happening. Is there a pivot happening? And if there's not, what do they know that I don't? How is there not a change of course? Why isn't this border becoming? Why isn't Mayorkas so himself I, fixing this, this with the frustration to every that's out there? politician who is now campaigning three hundred and sixty-five days a week. I think what you or your the what you saw before is the politicians would take a break and go be lawmakers for a little bit. Yeah. Right? They'd yep. take a break. They'd put down their swords. They'd agree to pick them back up. We were going to yell at each other for three, five months, and then we were going to put that that electioneering down, and we were going to go do what we have to get oh, hired. I miss the good old days. Now they have to raise money all the time. Yeah. I think the second you raise money, 
you throw meat out there. And so now they've habituated themselves. No one's ever putting the swords down and going and doing their jobs, ever. But why aren't they for for self-preservation or winning elections? Why well, so aren't they changing course? You know the course? question you're asking. You're asking yes. me a question that the Obama campaign, the Obama asked two weeks ago. What the heck are you doing, <laughs> Biden? I don't why understand aren't you this. Pivoting? So, uh, you There's know, some things that the executive branch could that? do. Is it on the border? Mayorkas could do something here without with a do nothing Congress. You know he yeah, could do I it. Yeah, here's what I What's do. What's going know. on? I thought I Kamala, know the vice president, was assigned to the I border. I do know that Trump is not interested in policy. I mean that. So I, I like this policy. Is, he was uninterested, and he did a good job at it for four years. He he. His, didn't our border really was do better then. Border was way but, better then. Um, but we have two people who what we do know consistently from polling is that we're not happy with either of them. And that's a really, sh- that's, that's a bad So what happens if you don't pivot? It is stressful to me because we're going into this election where we have two people that I think everybody would prefer, not everybody, right. a lot of people would prefer. Not to we're have. not the people, but we're going to go down the road anyways because so what we do. Because I'm, I am an open listener, I remember what Greg told me several months ago. And Greg, what's going to happen? At convention, at the last minute, yep. Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom's going to I hope it's him and I not know, Michelle Obama. I know, but don't Obama. you think the vice president Michelle would be Obama very upset by that? Michelle Obama scares me. Like, she would win. amazing. Yeah, she would win. Like, yeah. I, well, I don't think she's main, but I think she, she would win. We would cha- she, she would did. win yeah. with, without a blink. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gavin Newsom uh, can be defeated. I think California is in such a mess. I think that, but you're, but I do, what I, I said is true. He ha- He's telegenic. He's articulate. He has a pulse. He He's yeah. ready to get into the fight. He does, they don't want to have a Democrat contested primary because you have to get to the left you have yeah. to go far far left to get that primary that democrat uh primary vote that you would have to be held to in a in a in a, in a general i don't know why if this, you don't have to have that and you can just ch- know, pass a baton just in the convention bums me out though then boom yeah. he's in and then i'm going to sing the ll cool j song going back to cali i don't Please think do. so for the entire general so election i i ha- that's my plan my household has a mantra that i'm going to evoke now <laughs> That, that I'm going to use it based on the 2024 elections and the choices we have. At my house, we have agreed that during the Utah legislative session, you can't make any life choices. You can't decide to sell <laughs> oh, anything. Yeah. You can't get engaged. You can't, you can't have a baby. Divorced. You can't have a baby. You can't decide to sell your house. Because I get so wound around the axle, I'm trying not to as much. But that that's the mantra at our house. No decisions can be made during the 45 days hmm. of the legislative and session. And now you're extending that to the yeah. presidential election. That is correct. Okay, I think that's actually not bad. All right, push pause, everybody. Let's see how this turns out. Uh, Before we go, we're going to end on an interesting fun note. Um, Yesterday, I saw the owner of the Utah Jazz, um, Ryan, was hanging out doing a little golfing with the head of MLB, and it turns out they were discussing that – we might be having A's games I here in Salt Lake that. City, which is super exciting. So spiffing up the Smith Ball Field. Yeah, because apparently, so oh. the new Daybreak Stadium would host them because they're, are they moving to Las Vegas? I forget how the move is I happening. I don't think it's Daybreak. I think what they're considering. They are so, moving to Las so Vegas So they have eventually. a two to three week season gap where the new stadium in Las Vegas won't be built. I want to, I'm getting it wrong, but I want to say it's okay. built in 2027 and they're tired of, uh, their field right now, so they would like to flip off the city and be in flux. And they're they might looking come at here. Smith's ball field because it just got retired a few minutes ago. So they could probably, yeah. and it's a lovely field. It is. It's, it used to be um, Dirk's field. It's a and, beautiful location. And so they are apparently uh, looking at three different cities, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, Salt Lake's one of them, and they would come and be temporary. Um, 
citizens of you know the state of Utah. That It'd would be, be fun to watch. Run, I think. Right? Yeah, if I think so base, for sure. Appetite for baseball, in this and you know state. it gives the city a reprieve from having to do something responsible with ball field. Yeah. <laughs> They, they might have to stop the burning down of bit. homes around I mean, the ballpark. They, they might, and so the maybe they'll come up with some better strategies there. All right. Yeah. Who are we cheering for to make it through these playoffs into the um, finals of the NFL here that we like to call the Super Bowl? I tell you what, the Green Bay Packers have blown my mind. Youngest team in the NFL by age, uh, and this this Matt Lafleur, this coach, I think he he inherited a team of Rodgers and Devon, uh, Devontae Adams had great superstars. They've left, and he has taken a, the, again the youngest team in the NFL, and they they've shocked the world. They went in they went into Dallas and won there. A very good Dallas team, and I'd love to see them run the table. That'd be fun to see them in the Super Bowl. All right, Bowl. we'll see how it goes. Mara, do you have a dog in this fight? I don't have a dog. I don't want Kansas City. I, I mostly am just telling oh, yeah. you who I don't want. I That's mean, the yeah, only like, team I want just because I want to well, see more I, Taylor they're, Swift. They're an I don't AFC care about West football. team, and so if you are yeah, an AFC, and, and so I can't love you. For the late, and I'm tired of, of Taylor and, and yeah. Trav. Yeah, me too. I I actually, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, to, I'm um, totally done with that too. But how about for the late Tim Russert, the, the Buffalo Bills? How about that? Okay. That's for those nice. of us who know, who used to watch Tim Russert back when you could watch, you know, Meet the Press and yeah. not. Yeah. And if another you stuck thing, with this for this whole hour, thank you very with, much. Wait, sorry to go with Greg. Another reason, Green Ooh, yeah. Bay, who's their quarterback? Utah oh, yeah. State, hey, it's, Aggies it's, all it's the way. Love. Yeah. Go Aggies, go Aggies, yeah. hey, hey, so hey. So there you go. That's not Jordan bad. Jordan Love. Yeah, Jordan Love. We've yeah. been hearing his name a lot. He's doing well. So. He's doing well. All right. Well, we'll be back to hash out some more important issues next week. Thanks for listening. And if you are currently working in the legislature, We'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah. don't, make life to, hey, don't make life choices while you're in there. It'll be a non-denominational prayer. Do it. be done So anyhow, soon. good luck. I know what's going on here.